Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing USA, as well as Fox Canada here in the Great White North. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, he's been gone way too long. Back, not by popular demand, but because I couldn't get anyone else to do this review with me. Not back by popular demand, by, by any means. Uh, he's a repeat offender. Uh, literally no one requested this man to come back on the podcast, but he's here anyway. Dave Drakes from the Collective Experience. Dave, how's it going? <laughs> What's up, dude? Oh, the intros are amazing. See, I missed that. I, I missed the just the, the the belly laugh, man, that you provide. <laughs> hey, if if I can if I can cut you down a peg or two and still uh, and still get a, a podcast uh, recorded, uh, I believe that's uh, what they refer to as getting yeah. two birds stoned. Now yeah, you're not uh, you're not missing the beat with that, man. If you get the opportunity, hundred percent. Absolutely. I, I swing for the fences uh, and I land a knockout blow every yeah. single time when it comes to uh, Dave Drakes. Now, Dave, uh, it's been, like I said, a long time since we had you on the podcast. A lot of races have come, come and go. Uh, Supercross championships have been crowned. Uh, but what everyone's wondering, and probably nobody's wondering, is uh, what's new with the collective experience? Oh, man. Uh, you know, outdoors is, is uh, pretty still a busy time for us right now. So we've actually got our MX internship program kicking strong. We also started a new uh, uh, vlog internship program too, for all of those, you know, up and coming creators out there who want to get that front row seat, working with the pro team, working with the high profile uh, satellite support team uh, and, you know, be able to really strengthen their content and make the connections in the sport that can take them to a core towards a career in uh, videography, photography, what have you. So, a new little venture. It's it's exciting, and uh, we got you know a few other things planned up uh, that should be uh, should be able to announce here pretty soon. But yeah, we're we're, just, we're still kicking, trying to get people immersive, all active experiences, and uh, kick off some careers in the sport, man. Hundred percent. What what I love most about the uh, collective experience is you're always pivoting and evolving what it is you're able to offer uh and obviously you you in the recent years you've taken on the uh, the vlog which has also opened up some opportunities for some people to not only get uh, experience spinning wrenches in the pros uh but also uh manning a camera and editing some footage uh running social media all uh newer things uh to uh being a part of a racing program, and if uh, if people aren't already following on social media or going to the website, where do they go find more information? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Check out uh, thecollectivexp.com at the collective ex on Instagram, the collective experience on Facebook. Um, and yeah, Brad, I mean, you're right, man. We, we just continue to keep it evolving. The cool part about the vlog internship program is that they can kind of use that content for their own promotion as well. So they're not just making uh, you know, a vlog for the collective. They're making an edit for themselves or for the rider, and they can really market themselves however they see fit, and that way they're getting just so much out of it on top of a cool behind-the-scenes experience on race day. So if anyone's interested, we'd love to have them, and uh, we, we want to keep this thing going strong. Absolute, man. Well, looking forward to more coming down the pipe from the collective. Now, let's uh, let's talk outdoor motocross, man. Uh, something that yeah. you and I can both relate to. We've been racing for a long period of time. I don't know mm -hmm. about you, but when I watch Supercross, obviously, I love the battles. I love to see these guys uh, have all kinds of uh, style and the rhythms these guys put together and blitzing a set of whoops. That's all well and good, but nothing makes me want to ride my motorcycle more than, than seeing these guys link the corners together and flow through the jumps the way they do outdoors. What say you about the outdoor series? 
Oh man, it just there's there's really nothing like it, and you almost get this new appreciation for it every single year because we kind of get tied into the whole um, you know supercross feel. And after a while, I think we can all agree it becomes a little bit monotonous, a little bit tedious. Once outdoor comes on, and we can see these guys start using third, fourth, fifth gear, and like you said, linking these corners together, dragging pegs and through ruts. I mean, just huge booters, rolling whoops, just the the elevation change. The really flowiness of the of the whole entire racetrack. I mean, there's just nothing like it, man. I mean, you almost forget every every winter just how cool it is, and that's the quintessential motocross experience right there. Um, and it's not nothing compares to it, man. I just every year I'm just amazed by like, man, how much did I miss it? I didn't even realize how much I missed this type of racing all winter long. You know what I mean? So you know, I mean, when you pair that with the amount of talent we have this year too, it, it's just nothing better. Oh, dude, there is so much talent at the races right now and there's a dogfight happening especially at the front of the pack for the 450 class uh dylan ferrandis currently holding a three-point lead over uh an, another european it's been a while since we had two two europeans going one and two uh in in the outdoor series in fact i'd have to go back a number of years before that's uh even been remotely the case um and but like what what do you make of, of a guy like dylan ferrandis uh, essentially a 450 rookie. He is a 450 rookie. He raced the 450 class last year, uh, had some success obviously winning that championship the year prior, uh, challenging Adam Cincerullo for it as well. He's come over from Europe. He's been fast every single year, and, and now he's the real deal on a 450. Um, him and Ken Roxon separating themselves from the rest of the pack because you know what? Neither one of them have had a, had a bad moto. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... To me, it's just the, the way that those two ride, it's just so much different than everybody else. Kenny is so fundamentally sound. He's in a whole other ball game. Dylan is just not afraid to attack these tracks, man. He is just like, he knows where he should be. He's, it's almost like he feels like invigorated, like every time he steps out onto a new, a new moto track. And, uh, and, and I don't know, I, I just feel like their Euro upbringing and just having to ride some gnarly stuff, it just makes these like, quote unquote, rough weekends just so much easier for those guys. And the fact that, you know, they're, like you said, they're in an all-out grudge match right now. It's so freaking cool, man. And uh, I, I, I really like the fact that it's kind of like a good old-fashioned, and you, you might remember this, Brad, like the Yamaha versus Honda kind of deal. I really dig that aspect of it. We really haven't had that since, like, the Reed Carmichael days. You know what I mean? Fair so enough, it's, uh, yeah, it's especially outdoors. Cool to see that, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I, I'm, I was kind of getting sick of, like, just seeing, like, you know, one brand of bike up front for the 450s, and now it's like, man, you could you could really take your pick and, and really like, you know, the guy you're cheering for is completely different than the guy that the, you know the the person you're sitting next to is cheering for. So it's like different bike, different brand, different country, the whole deal. It's just it's so freaking cool right now in moto. It, absolutely. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this could very well be the first time since 2007. Uh, which is carbureted days, by the way, uh, that Yamaha was at the top step of the uh, 450 outdoors. Really? Yeah, because if you think about it, uh, 2008 is perfect season from James. 2009 is uh, Reed out front on a Suzuki. Uh, 2010, Dungey. Uh, out front, twelve, uh, yeah. uh, eleven, um, Villapoto, then back Hello. to Dungey, then back to Villapoto, then yeah. uh, Roxon, 
Dungey, Roxon, and then three years of Dun of uh, of Tomac, right. and then uh, right. then uh, an interruption from Zach Osborne. We're, we're going to get to Zach, but yeah, basically yeah. Yam- Yamaha on a 450 has not been much of a threat since 2007 and uh which is crazy that is absolutely insane to me and you know so on one hand it's yes it's crazy that yamaha hasn't been up there but it also shows you how freaking well stars doing with that holding a yamaha flag and waving it super high and getting that yamaha 450 to perform this damn well where there's they're 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 talking about in the same breath as a ken roxon they got two guys in the top three points right now exactly yep exactly on his amazingly tuned honda in the same breath as AC on his Cali that is, like, you know, unbeatable for the last three seasons. Like, holy crap, dude. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just – I feel like Star deserves so much credit for breathing a new life into the 450YZ. It's just – it's unbelievable. It really is. And uh, and it's been cool to see. Uh, hats off to Aaron Plessinger for, uh, for being a, t- a top three guy. Uh, what's most amazing about his uh, third place in points right now – maybe more than anything to me, is that he's led zero laps in this series. He's been fast. He's shown speed. He's had starts. He's, he even had a whole shot. Somehow didn't lead that lap. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, he's going to be a thorn in people's sides for the rest of the series. What do you make of AC? Uh, unbelievable speed. He's qualifying damn near the top of the board every single time he goes to the line uh, as far as qualifying goes. Um, but the arm pump has been an issue. Uh, he pumps up somewhere near the 15-minute mark. Uh, he has a bit of a lull, seems to be able to battle through it. Um, I don't think that we can really consider to him to be a an overall contender uh, until he gets that sorted out, and that might not be in for another couple of weeks now. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. The only thing I would say about Adam is it almost looks like he still has that like 250 rider um, Achilles heel almost where it's like, yeah, they're fast one moto, the next moto, they can't seem to get that same consistency or back it up with like the same sort of success. You know what I mean? And it it seems to be biting a lot of, a a lot of younger kids that move up and guys that are just in the 250 class flat out. Um, Adams, everyone knows, dude, he's baby Jesus. The guy is super fast, uh, extremely talented. He rides that 450 very, very well. Uh, it's almost surprising how well he gelled with it when he first um, moved up to the 450 class. I think he just really needs to figure out what it is that later on the moto and what it is that can help him, you know, be more consistent uh, that can really get him to that next uh, that next level and start talking about him as in terms of like moto uh, overalls from guys like Dylan Fernandez or guys like Roxon because you can see it's coming. You can see he's got what it takes. He's winning. It, it's 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 right there. But to be like that consistent top step of the podium guy. It's just he's going to need a little bit more refining when it comes to the late moto charge and, and getting that Kawasaki, uh, you know, moving just as fast as everybody else. Definitely, you know, I think AC is one of those guys who, um, like, he needs to marinate a little bit. I, I think he's he's very hard on himself as far as being able to execute the. The arm pump is obviously something that's holding him back right now, and, and that doesn't uh, uh, bode well for a guy who's also having uh, the heels nipping. Uh, he's like he's got guys nipping at his heels, like Chase Sexton, uh, and now uh, Eli Tomac might be turning it on as well. Uh, AC needs to figure this out and figure it out fast, uh, because for right now, he's uh, he's almost uh, he's 
32 points down of the championship. You want to narrow that gap, uh, but you also can't lose ground on the guys that are uh, coming right up your ass, like guys like uh, Sexton, guys like Tomac, who uh, we'll get to Tomac in a second here, but he was able to turn it on and uh, and put in a great second moto there. So um, from your point of view, uh, who poses, uh, what's more likely for Adam is that he's able to charge forward and be more of a contender later on through the series, or are some of these guys going to eat him up a little bit? Oh man, as of right now, I know where your heart's at. It's funny. just like, you're wearing a number yeah. nine Jersey right now. Yeah, dude. My heart wants to say that this guy is going to like pull through and become like the late, you know, the late summer assassin. But the way that things are moving with Brandis and Tomac and, you know, Barsha's going to have a really good ride when it gets muddy and sandy. And then Chase Sexton's going to, you know, spring to life and AP's been looking really strong. Uh, I don't know, man. I just see these guys kind of gobbling him up just a little bit. Now, I will say he's got, he's still going to be that that guy that could have like that sneaky podium. Like, yeah, first moto or second moto, we can have like that first through third. But just that consistency and really having these like you know top top three, top two, top one overalls. I don't know, man. These guys are only going to get faster and faster, and, and it doesn't seem like he's got it figured out quite yet about how to make it work for him in the end. So, this is something that's sort I, I, of... I almost want to go 50-50 almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> of I want course, to almost you always do. <laughs> but seriously, this is something that sticks out to me, is that for all intents and purposes, aside from maybe one or two motos, uh, and of course we've only raced three, uh, six motos so far, but uh, Adam Cienstrolo has had, he's, he's led the second most amount of laps. He's had two hole shots. He's qualified, uh, tied for best with Ken Roxon. He's only five points up on Justin Barsha, who hasn't done anything yet this series. He's like he hasn't qualified well. He's got one hole shot. His average start position is outside the top five, and and he, and he's only five points behind Adam because Adam's just he's been uh, been sort of plagued by this uh, the arm pump that just, that's just it's wreaking havoc on his results. Um, of course, it's still early, only three rounds down, but we're doing this at the quarter mark. And um, like three races from now, the race, the series will be half over. Uh, Adam needs to turn this around and turn those, uh, the one fours into one ones. And actually, he at this point, he already kind of needs a little bit of help from some of the guys ahead of him in points to, uh, to really get back in this championship fight. Otherwise, it's going to be another season that passes him by. I agree with you, man. Uh, 100% agree. And it's, it, it is kind of crazy because, like, we have it. Adam's won. We haven't seen Barsha get the, get the W yet. But, like, yeah, he's right right below him, man. And it's it's almost like it's, it's baffling. And I have a question for you in that same breath. Like, we all know arm pump. We've all dealt with it. Any rider, any racer, we all know. Every time pump. I ride. Every, yeah, every time I even look at my bike, I can feel my arms pumping up. <laughs> uh, do you think for Adam – it's more physical or do you think it's more mental? Like he's just in his head, like go, 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 freaking out, holding on tight. Or is it just like his conditioning? I think there's a, it's a combination of things. I think that he still suffers from, uh, having gotten on the bike a little bit late and a little bit like, like, you as well as I know, you stay out. You're out of the gym for a certain number of weeks. You you lose that peak fitness, and it's tough to get back on that tip of the spear. Uh, as well as the fact that he's had that ulnar, ulnar nerve issues in the past with hands falling asleep. Uh, that can't be easy to uh, to ride with. Um, like these guys, they race for so long. Yeah, they're they're healthy ish. 
like all of them have some nagging injuries from stuff that they they had when they were kids or when they're like as they're early in their careers like Adam he's had his his fair share of shoulder stuff and knee stuff and what have you so even at peak physical condition full bill of health I still think that Adam uh, might be dealing with a few uh, nagging things here and there that he has to uh, do maintenance mm. on so um, I think that he, he has it within him to be able to climb that ladder but that needs to start at uh, at red butt it has to start right away and I think that he's going to be able to get there now let's talk about his teammate guy who won himself uh, the one of the motos at uh, high point like that second moto, that first that that first place finish, that is vintage Eli Tomac. That is like just on the throttle, pinning it, put like breaking later than everybody else. Uh, that is something we have not seen. I haven't seen that guy since 2019. To be honest, I I haven't seen that guy not one time since 2019. Even though he won the 2020 championship. Um, it's been um, it, it's just been different. You haven't been able to see that from from Eli Tomac. It was great to see, uh, especially uh, I, I honestly cannot remember the last time Kawasaki had two guys at the front of the pack like that, and uh, it was great. I loved it, and uh, I, I hope to see more of that to continue. Because although he is um, not completely out of this championship, mathematically he's still there. But if Eli Tomac was to to come out and start winning motos and and uh, strike the fear of God into everybody again, I just think that's good for racing. And I, I honestly like completely all all decide. I'll have you talk about this for a second. Is like the last two rounds, Colorado and High Point, some of the best racing that we've seen in the 450 class, maybe ever, with how many different. Uh, changes for the lead and battling back and forth battles for fourth late in the motos and stuff like that this is something we've i don't think we've ever seen uh from this class uh especially this early in the season no definitely not and like it almost reminds me of like i keep going back to this but like you're and i's like moto heyday of like the kind of early to mid 2000s like the 125 class that's what watching the 450 is like now which is extremely exciting where you're just Everyone's fighting for position. Guys that are having bad bad starts or working their way through the pack, you know, first through third, it's just changing. And then fourth place comes up, and then fifth, and there's a battle eight through twelve. I mean, there's just so much going on that we typically don't see that from the seasoned veterans, man. And it's, it's just making watching this so much so much more exciting. And the way that they groom this high point track, especially bringing back the billboard 180 corner, um, and the way the lines develop, it it really brought me back to like that uh like tedesco versus langston kind of deal and like you get like bobby canary in there and brock seller you know what i mean like that really cool heyday of moto where just there's so many guys in there just all going after it positions are changing it just it makes you fall in love with moto all over again and i think eli kind of brought up a lot of that in the second moto and he's another guy that like i can't wrap my head around it's almost like a light switch for him Eli is, and you've heard the best in the world, like James Stewart, Carmichael, all these fast guys are like, dude, Eli is an absolute madman. He's so fast. He doesn't care if he takes the smooth line or the, or the crazy line. He's going to go just as fast as both of them. Uh, we, you know, we don't know why he's not winning more. You know, He should literally be winning every single race he lines up for. It's all mental. And this dude is like proving that right, man. Like 6'1", like, and the, the, the way he rode the, the second moto 
looks like a completely different rider. Like, how was that even the same person riding that, that bike? You know what I mean? And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, he has to get the bike set up, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, this is the same damn bike he rode in, in 2019. Them settings ain't changing. It's the same damn bike, bro. It, I don't know. It just, it, it's a little confusing, to be honest with you, to see a guy that you know has so much potential, so fast, such a just absolute, like, legend in his own right, just not live up to that and kind of, like, have these weird one-off races. And just because of the fact that he went 6-1, he, he still won and got a podium spot. The fact that we're saying that's kind of off for Eli Tomac, it's just a testament to how goddamn good he is. You know what I mean? So oh, I don't know. I just feel like he's uh, yeah, he is. Three, three, anytime you win three national championships, uh, the hats off to you, and that that's uh, regard, regardless of uh, how the, the the career sort of ends for him. It was very um, like head scratching as to as to why he was just so off the pace the first two rounds obviously mm-hmm. uh kind of getting into his own head a little bit but good to see that that uh, that Eli is still in there somewhere uh and was able to come out and if that's to continue that'd be awesome I think he'd be a great addition to the series uh but yep. uh I you know what I I know that I believe it just yet. I need to see it again, and hopefully that that comes out red. But no, Lord knows he goes fast there uh, to round out the 450 class. And we'll talk about a couple of privateers as well. But uh, your your 2021 Supercross champion uh, Cooper Webb, he's he's just a fucking guy now. Um, like tenth overall. Like when was the last time? That the Supercross champion got tenth overall outdoors on his own. This is unprecedented. (laughs) I've never seen this. This is like, this is not typical to motocross. And of course, you know, you and I, and like, like for so long, guys like Dungey, guys like Villapoto, guys like Carmichael and Stu and Reed, like all timers. They win Supercross championships, and then like t- eight, 14 days later, they're at the front of the pack for outdoors. This is unprecedented. I've never seen this. That like Joey Savacci, for all for all intents and purposes, Joey's a, a consummate professional. He's all kind all kinds of speed, but he can't carry uh, Cooper Webb's jockstrap when it comes to racing out uh, racing a, a dirt bike, and it's 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 not even close right now. He he's tenth and he's he's a ways off. Like the qualifying's bad, the starts are bad, the motos are bad. Cooper Webb's bad right now. Yeah, man, it's it's weird. And this is something where like I almost would say like, is it a setting kind of issue? You know what I mean? But again, he's really on a similar bike to what he's riding last year. But um, I don't know, man. He didn't I mean, race last year. Backish. Say, say it again. He didn't race the outdoors last year. Or, or, or the sorry, the year before, um, last time it was outdoors. I don't. The bike really, it's not changing that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I so I don't even know if that's, a, that's like a really good good enough excuse. But um, I almost want to chalk this up to just being like an off weekend for him. Because yeah, I mean, we all know some riders lend themselves to be better at indoor versus outdoors or vice versa. I don't think Cooper really falls into that category, um, but. I don't know, man. It's just so atypical of a guy who is such a late charger, who is just such a mental giant. The guy cannot be shaken, not be like, cannot falter. 
if you're behind him applying pressure, he's going to match your speed regardless. Yeah, his style is not the best, but hell, goddamn, he's going to ride the wheels up off that bike, you know? Yeah. Um, this is just such an atypical ride for a guy like Cooper Webb. That I just, almost want to just like, you know what? This is a wash. This is a weird one. It wasn't Cooper Webb who <laughs> showed up. It's, he got switched with his evil twin. Let's just call it what it is. You know what I mean? Seriously. I don't know. It's just, it's just Maybe such this a weird is like deal. his first, his real first name is Paul. Maybe this is Paul racing because like Paul, it's, it's absolutely Paul, like, perplexing. Like you, you got yeah, exactly. uh, like Aaron Plessinger hasn't led a lap yet. He's third in points. His average qualifying this is Aaron Plessinger. Average qualifying outside the top ten, and, and he he's somehow finishing inside the he he's he's his average finish uh, just out uh, just outside the top four. Uh, Cooper Webb, he's average qualifying outside the top eight. He's got two hole shots on the year. The only other guy with two hole shots on the year so far is Adam Cianciarulo. His average mm-hmm. finish outside the top five or average start is just outside the top five. He's led one lap, and uh, and his average finish is outside the top eight. Currently eighth in points, your, two, your, your 2021 450 uh, Supercross champion. It's just, it doesn't look right. You know what I mean? Like other guys who have oh, had for nothing sure. for him all of 2021, um, just, just walking away with this title right now. He is... Uh, He's sixty some points down. He's sixty three points down. That is ridiculous. Um, I don't know how you write the ship there, um, and and like I I, I wouldn't want to see the guy like bow out of the series. But like, do we see this continuing all summer that he's just like a ninth place guy? I don't think so, man. I don't think we, we're going to talk about Cooper being like in this spot very often. I do see him kind of catching a wind in another race or so. I mean, he, he goes good at every single one of these races too. So I can't even say it's like going to be one race over the other. Cause the guy kicks ass at all of them. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think we really got to chalk it up to just, just be in like a, a fluke race for him. And I like what you said about like the guys of yesteryear, Stu, Ricky, J, uh, Chad, all those guys, you know, they'd race a supercross, they'd get the championship. And then like you said, two weeks later, they're back up to the front winning outdoors. Do you think that there's a big difference between Supercross back then and Supercross now? The Supercross now requires so much more out of these guys because they aren't as separated in talent like Reed was versus the pack or Stu was versus the pack? You know what, man? I just think that um, I, I, th- I seriously think it has more to do with um, – like maybe during the the obviously for sure during the RC era because that like he grew up uh, like there was probably a time during Ricky Carmichael's uh, amateur career when it, there was a thought that he was going to eventually have to race a 500 two stroke. Jeez. You know what I mean? The guy the guy turned God bless the guy turned pro <laughs> three years after the the 500 series like completely went kaputs like uh, prior to that that was still a viable class to race so uh think about that like he was probably just getting onto a 125 when um when mike mike larocco was wrapping up 500 championships and i believe 1997 uh jeff emig still raced a 500 at the motocross nations like that's still that is like ridiculous as far as that era so they were brought up to not only value outdoors, but take a lot of pride in it. I think there was a lot of prestige 
and pride and stuff that went on the line for the outdoor title. And um, since then, Supercross has completely taken hold uh, of the limelight and the the uh, the importance and the dollars uh, that go towards uh, winning winning it like winning it at the pro level. And I think guys, uh, they seriously they take they take a look at that and they think to themselves. Uh, what would I rather uh, do is is um, perform at an extremely high level at Supercross, cash my million dollar check that comes with uh, winning a championship and and the many race wins that comes along with that, and the hundred thousand dollar bonus that comes with that, and, and and the amount of effort and time and risk it takes to be elite at outdoors. I I don't know that that. Uh, that effort is still there. Uh, obviously, there's some guys who still greatly uh, sought after that that uh, championship, and I think if you uh, if you uh, truth serumed uh, guys like uh, Roxon and Cian Cerullo, Ferrandis, they would still tell you that the 450 Outdoor Championship in the USA is the preeminent championship in the sport of motocross. Period. Motocross, Supercross, whatever. They would still say that that championship is the most prestigious to win. But uh, um, some guys disagree. And I, you know what? I think Cooper Webb might be one of those guys. Is that Yeah, he's an outdoor champion on a 250. Um, but for all intents and purposes, his focus is Supercross. And, uh, and for now, he's got, uh, he's got four Supercross titles between 250s and 450s. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely see a lot of that. I just also wonder, like, if that inner moto person which is for lack of a better word in cooper is still like oh screw that dude motocross supercross i still want to be the best i still want to kick ass i, I don't care what you know sx versus mx i want to win every single time this gate drops in front of me i wonder if that's still strong enough in there and, and any one of these guys to kind of combat that a little bit and be able to deliver off someone that can go 17 rounds of sx take a little like a month maybe or less break and then do the same thing and the dead heat of summer, you know? Yeah, um, no, that's, I, I, that's I think cool. it still can be see. done. I think that you would have seen more of that if Eli Tomac would have had some, some more successful 2000 and uh, 2017, 2018, 2019. Uh, I guess, yeah, he won in 20. No, he didn't win in 2019. Uh, if, if any one of those three summer or uh, three series is, uh, he would have been able to wrap up a Supercross title and then head out to outdoors. I think you would have seen more double double champions. And I think down the road you may still see some of that. Um, but let's also not forget that um, we're, we're also talking in reference to an era like a Carmichael and a James. Uh, who they, These guys were just uh, unbelievable talent and drive to win that that race that getting second place was unacceptable like i guarantee if you went through ricky carmichael's career there are positions in the top 20 that he never finished like he never he probably never finished 13th in his entire career because he was too busy winning yeah you know what i mean like that uh i i saw a stat a couple of weeks ago where ricky carmichael won 80 percent of the premier class races that he entered that is insane. In fact, could here's you, a stat you for you right now. That today? Could I you imagine if like that was if Roxon did that today? Could you imagine how insane that would be? No, that would be absolutely demoralizing to the rest of these guys. And I honestly, I, I don't think that that's even possible with the current talent pool. And uh, mm-hmm. another stat that I love about uh, RC is you know 2002, 2004, perfect seasons. 
24 straight motos, both together adding up to 48 motos winning in uh, in the series. Not only would that, with just those two seasons, have him tied for third all time in moto wins, I believe, or no, top five, I think. He'd be he, th- those just two those seasons uh, put together. We'd be uh, inside the top five for all time motos one on a 450. If you take those two seasons away from Ricky Carmichael's total. He still has 25 more wins than anybody else. See, that that's so. That is I don't stat. think anyone gets like, just how insane this is. That's what that's what I'm saying. He's like, say, like, and everyone wants to talk about, like, I don't know, I didn't want this to turn into like a Ricky Carmichael's the goat talk about uh, talk. But if you want to, if you really want to look at things, and if you want to play devil's advocate and say that if he would have been able to have a 1999 Supercross and a 2000 Supercross series where he only won one race out of all those those 17 rounds, say he was able to have even a moderately successful rookie and sophomore campaign including maybe say five wins each in each one of those series which i don't think is absolutely crazy given the rest of the winning that he did including the 13 wins in a row in uh in 2001 on a kawasaki if he was able to be moderately successful at all he would have had in excess of 60 wins in supercross and in doing so would have taken some wins away from uh jeremy mcgrath probably making them both closer to 60 wins uh, for their total. And then there would be no discussion. There would be no argument who's the best because uh, Ricky would have been able to get a little bit closer to that 72 wins. 72 wins is really impressive. I, I And Lord knows I love myself some Jeremy McGrath. Huge fan of everything that he did. But when it comes down to it, nobody, and I mean nobody, did more winning than Ricky Carmichael, period. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think... Because we were just so like into the whole racing thing, we didn't even realize at the time just how gnarly that was, man. To see this guy, number four, out front, just about every single race. And not out front like, oh, nice two-second lead. I mean winning, winning, like 10 seconds plus on everybody. Now, pick, again, to put it in, in, into you know, modern day, picture Ken Roxon for like the last like, five years just winning just about every single outdoor race like against guys like Tomac, Chase Sexton, uh, Plessinger, Barsha, Thorin. It's like just it's absolutely insane. It's it's freaking insane and I don't think enough can be said for that level of just domination dude. Like how, how insane is that? Oh it really is uh, next level and uh, yeah like it's like to think of some of the stats that that the RC uh, put down, given the fact that he's also uh, second all time in uh, in 125 moto wins, uh, second only to the great James Stewart. Now uh, we're gonna, if we're going to talk 125s, we might as well talk 250s now. Let's switch the, our focus over uh, to the 450, uh, 250 class, where your current points leader is actually almost the exact same amount of points currently earned by your 450 uh, points leader. Uh, HRC's Jet Lawrence, the 18 in your program, likely number one in your heart. If you like donuts or if you're just like a, a fan of the 18, um, looking great so far. He's got himself a little bit of a lead in this championship. He's been fast. He's been uh, he's been steady. Um, 
And I, I honestly, I don't think I don't see much changing. I don't see anybody that has much for this kid. Uh, he he didn't he didn't even have that great of a day, all things considered. I believe that's uh, is that a, a three two on the seat on the day. Still ends up winning the overall um, and extends the points lead. Jet Lawrence, it's it's, it's his world, and we're just living in it. Uh, I know you did a riding school with this guy. That vlog is available on your YouTube channel that nobody watches. And it's uh, it's great to see. Tell, tell, tell me everything you know about Jet Lawrence in 50 seconds or less. Dude, Jet is an absolute madman, dude. Like, honestly, I wasn't on the Jet train fully until, like, I got a chance to really see him up close and really see just how refined his technique is, how, like, laid back and chill he is. And just how much fun he's having in the sport, dude. It really does remind me of like when Stu first went pro and the, the amount of fun that kid had and like the smiling and being himself and wearing the big chains and like really showing out and having fun doing this awesome sport. I think that's why people are like loving and really gravitating towards this dude. And he's freaking flat out fast. <laughs> you know, when's the last time we saw a young rookie on a Honda? just kicking ass like this, man. It's been, it's super, super cool to see, man. Like it went to that time a 250 uh, Honda has like been so dominant and super cross gone outdoors. Like it's been, it's been a while. So um, dude is absolute, he's flying, man. And what's crazy is that he's young, but he's not letting the pressure get to him. He's racing like these, like, you know, seasoned guys like Cooper, uh, you know, like Colt Nichols, uh, RJ Hampshire, these like grown ass dudes, and he's not faltering. He's not letting it get to his head. He's not scared. He's not afraid to to rub him you know, through corners, push him high, race him strong. Like, and and he's just got everything. His starts are down. His corners are dialed. His jumps awesome. He's got flair. I mean, the, the dude's just a. It's a winning combination. Is what he's what he's got. He does, and you know what? It's uh, it's one thing to have the personality. It's a, it's another to have. Uh, the serious speed and the flash and this, that, and the other thing. You know what else he's got? He's got the What's fitness. That? He's got the fitness yeah. that comes along with it, and the kid is absolutely flying. I'm really impressed yeah. with this kid. He is the total package. Uh, I was late to the party, but I, I, I'm on the bandwagon now. The 18 in your program, the kid is an absolute stud. Um, he He's he, like, he literally, like, through him as well as Lucas Myrtle, because it's not all it's it's not all uh, a seventeen year old kid coming up with these ideas. Yeah, the he's, donuts he's a good team. are literally bringing people over to the Red Bull rig. Like, yeah, you want to talk about activation? There has never been a rider in the two hundred and fifty class outside of James Stewart who has ever driven more people over to their team truck. And James did it just by doing some dances after he won his Supercross races and then just going faster than anybody else could ever possibly go. This kid's doing yep. it with speed, style, and personality. Love it. Exactly. I mean, that's and not only is that great marketing for himself, sets himself apart from competition, what a big mind freak to like everyone around him. Like, like Justin Cooper – uh, Swole, Nichols, Sportner, just everywhere they turn, there's a, a Jet uh, Jet Lawrence freaking poster bigger than they are just waving in their freaking face. Like, holy crap, dude. Like, how demoralizing is that when you're like, god damn, dude, this guy just passed me and then I see his fucking ass growing on the whole entire track. Like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's so cool, like, what Jet Lawrence is doing. And this guy has got so much freaking momentum right now. 
It's absolutely insane, man. And like, again, the guys that he's racing, they're not slow. Justin Cooper and Colt Nichols, they're your supercross champions from this year. You know what I mean? Uh, Austin Forkner, Joe Shimoda, RJ Hampshire, these are these are guys that are just like flat out just animals on this on this on these bikes in this class and jet like seems to have them covered most of the time. And he's like five years younger. <laughs> it's pretty gnarly, man. Yeah, no kidding. And obviously, like we're we're wrapping this up sort of like a, a quarter of the way through the series so far. Six motos down, yeah. um, yep. eighteen to go, and like it's a table set for two. It's it's Lawrence, Justin Cooper, and it's everybody else. Uh, I don't yeah. think I don't see um, Hunter. Uh, having the consistency and the speed to consistently be in the top uh, top two and and challenge he might challenge with some moto wins but uh, I'm looking at moto scores uh, outside the top three more often than not in fact he's only got one podium in a moto so far which was a third Jalex Swole uh, yeah he won this last weekend hats off to him really cool to see the kid from Florida uh, get that uh, that first moto victory in an overall. He did not think that he had it, but sure as shit, he did. Uh, will we see more of that to come? Maybe, but up until now, uh, like you got two motos so far this year and the, the single digits for points. Uh, that's not a, a great start. He's a, a number of points back. He's almost, he's over, almost 50 points back. Uh, Colt Nichols has, for all intents and purposes, been a non-factor uh, just because his starts have been so bad. And uh, you want to talk about uh, some bad luck? Joe Shimoda, uh, terrible luck in the in the the second moto. Uh, gets his bike tied up with uh, one of the privateers who it was Chambers, who ended up getting more TV time than anyone ever deserves, uh, given the fact that he was then like getting lapped for the next th- uh, six minutes from all the top guys. Uh, Joe had a terrible second half of the day, kind of like I wouldn't say eliminated him but now he's ninth in points that's gonna be shitty and uh like let's talk about him right now austin forkner what's going on with this guy his his best finish so far i believe is a seventh or a sixth in the moto uh that's yeah sixth in the moto is his best finish that was the 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 last race um that like i I, I, I have some serious doubts about this kid moving forward. And uh, I guess he's still got a, a deal with Mitch to continue racing for that team for quite some time. But it is not looking good right now for the uh, the 38 machine. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And the way that he came into the scene a couple years ago and the way he's ridden over the past couple of seasons, it almost makes me think that, like, you know, the, the, the guy is, is he, he's one of the guys in his class, right? And to see him go from a guy that can be a podium threat any given race weekend, right, to six, seven, fifth, seventh in points, almost like what, sixty something points, fifty something points down from Jet Lawrence. Yeah. Like, is it, well, like, is it like an he's issue? outside is the top lingering? ten on the first yeah. lap more often than not. A kid can't buy a exactly. start. Exactly. On a, on a pro is it, is it like a lingering? Bike? Is it a lingering injury that's bugging him? That went from Supercross. Uh, you don't. You have to imagine it's not mental. I mean, the the, the young dude really don't. They don't really have too many mental hangups. Uh, as as far as you know, I don't want to get hurt or blah 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 goes. But like, I, I wonder what the problem is, man. I almost I almost want to say like maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy because this is this is almost like like a um, uh, a Cooper Webb type of deal we just talked about. This whole run of the last couple of motos from Austin Forkner 
it's not typical Austin Forkner, man. And this is stemming longer than just one race. Cooper Webb had one weird off race. This has been a quarter of a season so far for Forkner. Uh, I almost want to pull like the like the emergency cable for this guy. I'm like, hey, man, what's wrong? Like, what do we need to reset? Like, what what's your what's your plan moving forward? Because this is not cutting it, especially for somebody who has been in the pro ranks in this class on that bike for so so many years. I mean, this guy raced Cooper Webb when Cooper Webb was on the 250. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. He, like, he does he should, not have? He a super, should have it together. Yeah, Supercross win this year. Did he not win uh, Houston too? I don't think he's got a Supercross win. I think the only one came from Schmoda, right? Schmoda, Schmoda was that even a win? Or sorry, that was, that was a podium. Sorry, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't think he got a win this year. Shit, I think he did. I think yeah. he won the my, second my, round. My, and then, my I think he, he won, and then he he ate shit. I could be completely wrong about that, but either way, uh, it, it's just looking bad. Like honestly, when you're getting passed. By Garrett Marchbanks, more like more than once, uh, and uh, Garrett, he's on. Hey, I love my group, my blue crew, but uh, on a, a privateer appointed uh, Yamaha uh, compared to a, a Mitch Payton uh, backed Kawasaki, like, and honestly, like, is to the point where Mitch can't even like, even if he got a fill in, like, he'd be he'd be getting a fill in to to battle with guys like Dylan Schwartz. Like, it, it, it's not looking good. Um, and honestly, the 250 class, like, yeah, you got some serious skill here. Uh, you have you have a lot of talent right at the very top end, though, but it's, it doesn't seem to be very deep. And I, I think that's obviously very indicative in the fact that uh, you only have two guys that are over 100 points so far on the year, and they've got a huge gap. Uh, they almost have, uh, they have 40 points on, on, uh, like Jet Lawrence over has forty two points on third place right now. That's wild. Yes, exactly. And that's his brother and teammate. See, like train together, same bike, and that just shows just how gnarly Jet Lawrence is. And like, it's almost hard to put in words just how far ahead of his peers Jet Lawrence is. You know, and again, I don't want to gas him up too much because you know every, every every single one of these guys is amazing. But this, we really haven't seen this other than like when Ricky first went pro or when James, the better comparison, first went pro. Granted, James was like head and shoulders above his competition. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was, it, was, it would be like Jet Lawrence racing versus like, I don't know, Loretta's B class. You know what I mean? That's how different. Well, there's kids in the B class right now that are, are 17. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I should, uh, I, sh- I should, I should watch my words because half those kids train with their their factory pro rider counterparts. So this is fast as like. <laughs> I thought <laughs> we were gonna that, see but... Levi Kitchen. Were we not? Like, were we not supposed yes. to? Was this so not I'm, supposed to be I'm the so summer of Kitchen? Said, I'm so glad you said this. No one else has been like talking to me about this. But like, dude, Kitchen should have went pro. I think Kitchen would have been an absolute force. I don't think anybody in his in his uh, peer group. And talking about um, somebody like uh, um, uh, Nick Romano or uh, Jet Reynolds or anyone, I don't think they have what Levi Kitchen has. He's a little bit older. He's got you know the he's you know built a little more sturdier, taller, bigger dude. Can really handle that that 250 very well. And his corners are out of this world. He's a full package. I don't think the guys that he's racing against. I don't think they have it all together quite yet. And he's honestly going to be racing by himself. If, granted, he gets a good start. 
I think it was time for Kitchen to move up and support some of his other uh, teammates, almost like a Thrasher moved up uh, or like a, or a Jarrett Fry. I think I'd put him in the same breath, if not a little bit faster. Remember, these guys all train together. It doesn't matter if they're pro or B. Yamaha likes to stick them all together and say, hey, figure it out, duke it out, learn from each other. And he is just as fast as the guys that are lining up racing high point and are going to be racing Redwood pretty soon. So I think they kind of missed a little bit of a mark. I don't know if it was an injury thing that kept him off the bike, but just talking to him and interviewing him and stuff like that, you can tell the dude has it together. Like, he's got a plan. He knows, he knows that he belongs up here. I just think he should have just pulled the trigger, gone for And I honestly think that this guy would have been a top 10 threat just about every single race. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a fair assessment. And, like, you know what, man? Like, it's been so weird to see some of these guys coming out of amateurs and, and really flounder. As far as um, yes. like producing results, like I remember, like Jesse yep. Flock, like hearing about him on a Yamaha like three or four years ago, like look out for this kid, he's gonna be serious business. Races the first two nationals, he's got three points on the year. Derek Drake has raced every national so far this year on a mostly factory backed uh, Suzuki. He's got a grand total of nine points on the year. Uh, Styles Robertson. Long time uh, uh, team green kid, twenty eight points on the year, two motos with no points, uh, having a hard time getting starts, having a hard time finishing motos. Um, like Nate Thrasher must have got hurt at some point. Uh, that's uh, bad podcasting on my part. He just got he didn't score any points. Uh, he must have got hurt during qualifying or during the week heading into high point, but uh, he missed that one. And then same thing with Jared Fry, like Moto scores uh, 8, 7, 9, 8, 0, 9 for points, like 40, 41 points on the year. Like that's that's not good. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And you you and I over the years have talked about like everyone touting up these like these amateur kids, giving them like, these super fast bikes, these good contracts for a year or two. And then they just don't deliver. And you see the kid who was second place, third place behind those guys who were, you know, mom and dad are working on their, their beat Suzuki's and they're the ones that are actually showing something and really shining. So I don't know. I don't, I, I wish I almost knew what that formula was or, or how to, what to avoid in the formula to be able to make a successful transition from amateur to pro. Cause very few guys had it dialed. I think the last guys we saw Tomac, AC maybe carry that same success over. Um, but you know what? Even those bit, guys you know? had like th those same eras had guys that were crazy fast that just didn't end up doing anything. Like we forget that like Blake Wharton won some races, but for the most part became a nobody. Uh, I love yeah. you, Blake, but it just didn't, he didn't really turn out to be like a, a superstar. Same thing with Zach Bell. There was a time when Zach Bell used to, to trade motos oh, with. Won everything. Yeah. At, at, like he, he won motos over Adam C and Cirillo. He was the next coming. He was yeah. the kid that beat. Yeah. Same thing with Chase Bell yeah. for that matter. Um, yeah. Matt Lemoyne, uh, like Matt Bonney, um, so many of these guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, even Either to a lesser uh, extent, Can uh, riders. <laughs> your buddy Sean Hackley, like these guys were, like they were coming up, and the reality yeah, yeah. is, there's only so much room at the front of the pack, and uh, and injuries play into it. I know uh, what's his name, uh, not not uh, yeah, Jet 
yeah, Jet Reynolds, he's had some some issues uh, with with staying healthy. Romano's been say, uh, has issues with staying healthy, uh, and then Hamaker coming out of amateurs, he, like he probably should be in his second or third year pro, and he just keeps getting injured. So um, it, it's honestly we're in a little kind of a funny spot with the 250 class right now. And uh, this should be a great opportunity for guys like Austin Forkner to like pick up the pieces after many years of getting injured, but he can't pull the trigger either. So uh, I guess, like I said about 20 minutes ago, it's uh, Jet Lawrence's world and we're just living in it. Yeah, uh, 100% agree, man. It's, uh, I don't know, I almost wonder if it's a case-by-case basis that some of these kids um, you know, have some shortcomings or they get caught in the trappings of being pro or don't train hard enough. I, I, I don't know what it is. But I wonder if it's like a case by case, it's something different for everybody, or if it's like um, a more common thing than just, you know, oh, this rider had this issue, this rider had this issue. I wonder like what it is that really makes or breaks an amateur kid from being a dud to being a freaking superstar in our sport. I don't know, man. I, like uh, neither one of us have the answer to that. But uh, what I do have the answer to is your best way to uh, get as close to working for a professional motocross team uh, than, than anywhere else, and that's by connecting up through the collective experience. Uh, before I let you go here on the Big MX Radio podcast, uh, a, a guest that was requested by absolutely no one, Dave Drake's on the cl- uh, from the collective experience here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Where do people find out more information, Dave? Uh, you can go to thecollectivexp.com or at thecollectivex on Instagram. Send us a uh, uh, dm or an email contact at the for more questions we want to get everybody signed up and involved in the sport get an influx of more passionate dedicated fans and get them experiences that they can't get anywhere else really looking forward to doing some cool stuff for the summer program awesome love it uh give me your uh 250 and 450 championship prediction right now I got to go with Jet Lawrence right now, man. Even though he might not win every moto, he seems to be the most consistent and the most uh, unshooken or unbothered by the pressure, by the the advances of the guys behind them. So I got to go with that guy. If I'm looking at the 450s, I got to say I like uh, Ken Roxon right now. I like the tenacity. I like the, I like the aggression. Um, I like the fact that he knows when to back it off and when to like really, really push. And then he kind of keeps the long series mentality and make up his mind. I think he's going to play tenfold form in a couple of races. Uh, so I, I like those two guys. There you go. I, I'm going to go with Roxon. I think that he pieces it together and I don't think anybody else is going to be fast consistently enough to, uh, to pose a threat aside from Dylan Ferrandez. And I still think that France is going to have one ugly moto that, uh, is just glaring at you. And, uh, and that, uh, seems to, he's going to become his undoing. Um, and then in the 250 class, uh, I will say this, that, um, the, the last round is supposed, the second to last round is supposed to be Fox Raceway. Um, I would put a generous amount of money that the uh, the 250 class at the very least is wrapped up at that round uh, rather than Hangtown the weekend after uh, just because of his dominance in in both speed and consistency as well as some some fitness uh, sprinkled in there. Uh, I wish I could travel to the other side of the border so I can go grab myself a donut at Millville, but uh, that's that's yet to be seen about uh, opening the border up. And if it does, 
you will see me there. But until then, we'll find out uh, later on, I suppose. Uh, and and we'll, Millville, uh, round nine. So I don't, I don't know if that'll be open by then. That's only about four weeks away. Um, but uh, Dave, this has been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for coming on to, uh, to chat dirt bikes with me. Always, man. Come on, man. You already know that. If it's dirt bikes, I'm there, bro. Awesome. Love it, man. Well, uh, do not hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs>